0: you awakening wonders over the month of september i'm doing a handful of live shows that are a combination of spirituality breath work individual awakening community building and challenging authority how do you bring down the system while bringing up children how do you try to bring down bear grills while you're on running wild with bear grills and bear grills is much better at that stuff than you. How do we find new ways of challenging authority while trying to live normal lives? So I'll be doing stand up, breath work, meditation, as well as conducting polls and votes, because I believe democracy works. Are you happy with your current government? No. With you live in theaters like Hayes on the 12th of September. That's a little intimate London gig. I'm at Wembley Park Theater on the 16th of September. Windsor on the 19th of September, Plymouth on the 22nd, and Wolverhampton on the 28th. To get tickets, go to russellbrand.com forward slash live. That's russellbrand.com forward slash live. The link is in the description. Stay free. Hello there, you awakening wonders. Thanks for joining me on our mutual voyage to truth and freedom. Together, we can create new systems, new communities. We can analyze these extraordinary times together independently. Uh, Those of you watching us from the United States of America, take this opportunity to reflect honorably with you on the lives of those lost on September the 11th. In particular, as someone who behaved so astonishingly at the time, I was a crazy young man back then. um, Some of you will be aware of my mad behavior on MTV way back in those days. And now I'm able to share with you in acknowledging the horror of those events and actually look at them from a new perspective, how it changed history, how it ordered our perception of the world, how it was utilized, how the Patriot Act was mobilized, how the war in Iraq came about as a result of those tragic events. Uh, We're looking also today at the new revelations that Musk provided prevented a Ukraine attack on Russia last year because of his, what's it called, Skylink, Skynet? Starlink. Starlink. Mm. Sounds too much like a train. I struggle to accept it as such a sort of significant uh, technological advance when mm. it sounds like Starlink. I also think it was an attack on Crimea, which is a, disti- a clear distinction there. You know, as in Musk's point is that when it's Crimea is a red line of Putin's, that, yes. that could lead to nuclear war. Then he's got a bit of a bigger point there. Let us know in the chat. If you agree with Musk's actions, if you're watching us on YouTube, give us a like, give us a comment. If you're watching on Rumble, you can't Rumble us no more. No. Our rumbling days are over. It's like the like has usurped the Rumble oh. as the way of acknowledging your approval and registering your content with us. We'll be talking in more detail about the uh, like uh, Musk's actions in preventing any a attack on Crimea, uh, and later in our am here's the news. We'll be talking about. Fauci being questioned by CNN on masks and a new take on some of the data that emerged from that period, which I will not discuss with you. You 6.5 million awakening wonders on YouTube because you know how that platform is regulated and we love you and we adore you. But in a few minutes, we're going to want you to click the link in the description to join us for a conversation with Max Blumenthal, who will be talking to us presumably at length about that conflict and revealing stuff that simply wouldn't be safe to talk about in heavily regulated mainstream spaces. Max, hello, mate. Thanks for coming on. Great to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, you know, man, we're operating in a beautiful space. It's a, it's a, I, I'm sure you'll agree that working uh, in this independent media space is free from consequences. It's a giddy, buccaneering affair, and you never get the sense that the forces of evil are co-aligning and coalescing to, for example, shut down your GoFundMe. Can you tell us a little bit about that story, mate?
1: Yeah, well, it's a giddy, buccaneering affair for... Independent swashbucklers like ourselves, and our ship was targeted by apparently national security state pirates. We have no idea who they actually are because they hide behind the veneer of these supposedly private Silicon Valley-based companies like GoFundMe. As you said, you were saying before in the run-up to this interview, the FBI has honeycombed its uh, places like Facebook or Meta and. Twitter with its own operatives. Um, you even have former CIA people there. but the, this uh, these crowdfunding sites do the same thing and it's poorly understood. So I'll just tell you what happened to us and I think your audience will better understand how dangerous it is for them to work with uh, to try to raise money for anything remotely political when you have the national security state operating behind the scenes telling them, that they may have to sanction people if their political views go against their own objectives. So we launched a crowdfunder for three of our contributors. You've had one of them on, named Kit Clarenberg. Um, three of our most dedicated contributors to provide them with long-term positions. And so for our audience, it was a chance to just support independent media that they like. We went through GoFundMe. People are now calling me naive, um, and the. GoFundMe was failing to transfer the money. We had raised about $90,000 in three weeks. And I went over to GoFundMe's form to ask them what happened to the money. And it took a while. And I finally received a message from a trust and safety officer only named Sabrina. I had no idea who she was. And she said that due to some external concerns... They have frozen the money and they're not transferring it to us because they need to verify it. That's all I heard from her. And so our our the, our donors didn't know that this had happened. So eventually I had to announce it, which means that I was basically when you announce this and go public, you're sabotaging your own fundraiser because no one's going to want to donate if the money's being frozen. But they wouldn't explain why. And uh, eventually, we had to force GoFundMe to refund all the money to everyone and move to a different fundraising site called SpotFund, which has been much more trustworthy and responsive. We were able to get their chief technology officer on the line who promised us that they would transfer the money immediately, and they've done so. But with GoFundMe, it's obvious that they're working hand-in-glove with the national security state and applying financial sanctions on outlets and causes that threaten the imperatives of the powers that be. And I'll point directly to the Canadian truckers, the Freedom Convoy. You know what happened there. Back in uh, early 2022, GoFundMe froze their $10 million that they had raised, $10 million U.S. dollars they'd raised, and then announced that they were transferring it to quote unquote, established charities. So they were stealing the money from donors to the Canadian truckers protesting Justin Trudeau and the liberal government's vaccine mandates and the lockdowns and just giving it to charities of their choosing. Uh, And they eventually had to relent because this was a violation of U.S. law. Several attorney generals in the states were going to investigate them, but they wanted to steal the money. And why were they doing that? Because that Liberal government of Justin Trudeau and Christia Freeland had declared emergency law in Canada, had told GoFundMe to do that, and they were telling the banks to, to basically take people's money who were donating to this because the protest was threatening their policy. And so that's what we think happened with us, and we weren't going to let them reroute the money somewhere else, so we just shut it down. And the crazy thing is now they're telling journalists like our friend Matt Taibbi, who actually called them at GoFundMe, that this was a totally normal procedure and that that we voluntarily shut it down as though we were just gonna sit there and allow them to continue this complete uh, banking fraud forever. It's astonishing.
0: You know, in our, like lead story, we're talking about the uh, the relationship between Elon Musk and the American government, and how Elon Musk is able to intervene in the military imperatives of the you know, in this case, the Ukraine. Or you know, I know your your views on that on that war have sort of pre um, have been pretty well and widely expressed. And here we have a story where once again the relationship between big tech and the government becomes quite curious. It's interesting and exciting when there's an obvious adversarial component, such as in our last story. But when you see this kind of cohesion, this kind of collaboration, and like you cite with the Canadian trucker story, and obviously now you've been a personal, gosh, should we say victim of it? You've certainly experienced it. It makes you realize that ultimately what we're sliding towards are more and more normalized, centralized, authoritarian models, centralized currency, ability to close down people. We're hearing more and more stories about the intervention in people's financial affairs. It's something that's becoming more prevalent. And I'm not surprised that you're a prominent and high profile organization to be subject to that kind of obvious corruption and uh, does it uh, what does it make you feel about the future of the grey zone and your ability to report independently for example on the ongoing conflict between Ukraine and Russia does it make you feel that you are being persecuted does it make you feel that it's kind of a threat or do you think that in this sort of new space everything is sort of sanitized technocratic uh, i mean that sort of literally and and, and yet a, a digital tyranny kind of pervades invisibly like a sort of a binary gas, where there's no sort of baddie to locate, but just an ideal that can be conveyed in a new type of oppression with, without clear villains. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I interviewed an author and satirist who's based in Germany, who's American, named C. J. Hopkins, who you might know. He did a book called The New Normal Reich, uh, which is just a send up of the COVIDian regime that prevailed in Germany, across Europe, and across the West. And his book cover features, uh, it's a play on William Shire's The Rise and the Fall of the Third Reich. It features a a swastika embedded within a a mask. And for that book cover, Germany, a German court has found him guilty of glorifying a national socialist organization and sentenced him to 60 days in prison or $4,000 fine. And the way... I mean, he's facing kind of a jackboot in the face, the hard censorship. Germany doesn't really have freedom of speech, although it pretends to be a liberal democracy. But what we're facing in the U.S., which has a First Amendment, is kind of the national security state, which we never elected, a bunch of faceless individuals who are able to meddle in elections across the world, including in our own, and meddle in politics, is this uh, kind of soft totalitarian model. Uh, Sheldon Wolin, and the late sociologist called it inverted totalitarianism, where liberal democracy is used as cover uh, for a more authoritarian project. And you can get quietly shadow banned from behind the scenes in, by some operative in an air-conditioned office and disappeared or suppressed or censored without having any recourse or due process because it's being done ostensibly through a private corporation, which just is saying, hey, we're just enforcing our terms of service. And so that's, in, that's an insidious it's dangerous. It's deeply anti-democratic. And the public, whether it's us or anyone else who's been censored financially, uh, like our friends at Mint Press News or Consortium News, they never know who actually pulled the trigger and censored them. So who, who's responsible for this? Was it the U.S. government or could it have been the Ukrainian government? Because we know for a fact, because of the Twitter file that my colleague Aaron Maté obtained, that the Ukrainian security services, known as SBU, called the FBI, sent them messages with, uh, uh, containing a list of Twitter accounts they wanted banned. And the FBI went to Twitter and told them to ban these accounts. And these accounts included Americans and Canadians like Aaron Maté. And it was solely on the basis of their political views that they were disrupting the official narrative that Ukraine was just fighting this glorious war for democracy. And Twitter, this is in the pre-Elon regime, actually refused because it was too extreme for them to just ban Americans and Canadians on the basis of a foreign government telling them to do so. But who who told GoFundMe to do that? Who were these external concerns? Was it the Ukrainian government? Was it the British government, which uh, detained and interrogated our contributor, British citizen, Kit Clarenberg. I know you've interviewed him about that. Or was it the U.S. government? We will probably never know. And so we are existing in this inverted totalitarian model behind the guise of liberal, liberal democracy, where most of the public still believes that they have due process and free speech. Um, but they don't, as long as we're relying on these private companies Managed by the national security state as our digital commons, as our kind of speaker's corner. God, man, there's so many points
0: I want to pick up on there. There were sort of Orwellian images, of course, with the boot on the face of your man who used that image in a mask in a plainly satirical way. And the sort of when satire and comedy gets challenged to that degree, you know, bloody hell, Germany, they should be encouraging. Uh, uh, Robin Williams's uh, famous line: "Why are Germans so unfunny?" And he said, "Because you killed all the funny people." Uh, Like, like, uh, but I'm also minded of Huxley, uh, like in the sort of sanitized. Version of tyranny, this inverted tyranny that you describe, as well as well as well as the kind of Kafka esque idea, which I'm sure, I guess, was a more of a critique of Stasi style, Soviet style communist oppression, bureaucracies that were masked and uh, oddly diaphanous and impossible to locate. This now seems to have migrated to our countries, in the United States, uh, the. UK. As well as when you were talking about this uh, inverted tyranny, I'm sort of minded of a, a moment in my conversation with Sam Harris last week. It was a point that the great philosopher and friend of the show, actually, Brad Evans, first made, I believe, that we've been sort of trained to regard jihadist violence or certain type of violence as extreme. Which, and of course, you know, I'm not sort of obviously endorsing any type of violence, but like he made the point that he imagined jihadists to be in ecstatic states. And so sort of, that for him made the violence all the more uh, nefarious. Um, But the kind of violence that's carried out, for example, under Obama, who we made a a really good item about earlier today, are these sort of sanitary, as you say, air-conditioned rooms where either your funds are shut down or a a wedding adjacent to a potential terror suspect is bombed, where progress, technology, rationalism themselves are used to mobilize a type of tyranny that, to misquote Wilde, dare not speak its name tells us that it's liberal and democratic, all the while gently closing in on our freedom. And in one more Orwellian tag, Max, what do you feel about the, you know, war, good, peace, bad uh, NATO members' concerns that um, the, uh, that any opposition to a proxy war might drive Ukraine to pursue, oh no,
1: peace talks with Putin? <laughs> well, there is there are a number of obstacles to peace talks because it's obvious now that Tony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, was recently in Kiev for an ex a more extended period than usual to probably put the idea of negotiations on the table. Um and this is because of the colossal failure of the Ukrainian counteroffensive, which the U.S. has been heavily involved in. Um they failed to capture any real territory. They're supposed to cut off the land bridge between Russia and Crimea. It's not it's not gonna happen. And soon there's gonna be rain in the eastern regions, these eastern plains of the Donbass region, and it's gonna be impossible to get armor through there. So it was a total failure why why can't they negotiate? Number one, why should Russia negotiate at this point when the West has just stabbed them? It just completely cut off the possibility of negotiations and sabotage negotiations at every turn leading to this proxy war. Uh, back in April 2022, the U.S. canceled negotiations between Zelensky and the Kremlin and said, keep fighting, and they sabotaged the Minsk Accords before that. So why trust the West? And why negotiate when you could actually start capturing more and more territory, given this terrible state of Ukraine's military um, and the hundreds of thousands of casualties they've suffered? Um, they're, 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 they don't have much left, apparently. So there's there's that factor. Then there's the factor of like Tony Blinken himself. This guy has major skin in the game when it comes to continuing this war. He founded a firm called West Exec Advisors, which finesses contracts for the arms industry and big tech through the Pentagon and the State Department. Him and his former colleagues from the Obama administration got together and started this firm to basically profit off their connections with the major winners of the Ukraine proxy war Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, Palantir, all the Beltway bandits, as we call them here in Washington. And so, if Tony Blinken leaves government, he could make a lot of money off of this war as long as it's still continuing. Um, and that could be either through a kind of frozen conflict where Ukraine is transformed into what Zelensky has called a big Israel and it's just constantly at war with Russia and its entire society is securitized and mobilized. The tech industry will love that as well because everyone's going to be under surveillance,, uh, you know, drones and cameras everywhere. Uh, and so, you know, the, you have all these people who, why would they want to end this conflict? It's doing, they're they're the real winners of this war. And then finally, you have the, the ideological investment, just the hatred of Russia that prevails, particularly among the Democratic Party, foreign policy elite, but also within the Republican Party. The idea that we just can't lose this war and that this is about democracy. Um, so there are all these obstacles to negotiations, but obviously the war isn't going there's no progress for ukraine in this war they sh- they should have negotiated over a year ago but they've been drunk off of these delusional fantasies spun out of washington that they can somehow win when victory's never even defined oh man those are the kind
0: of home truths that you do not want being funded under any circumstances do avoid going to spot Dot fund forward slash defend the grey zone again and donate in to Max Blumenthal's incredible endeavours there at the grey zone we'll post the link in the description now they've got to do it all over again precisely because the news they convey is a threat to mainstream narratives and look what happens astonishing, astonishing the price you pay for telling the truth, Max that's uh, exceptional, thank you so much for that and uh, uh, we're always grateful to spend some time with you thanks for your contributions, I'm going to make a Donation myself. It's a go fund me, right? Couple of hundred pounds. (laughs) Guy, just give it to someone. Give it to someone you think I'd like. I don't know what I want. I'm an idiot.
1: You decide for me who I should support. Well, none of it's going to me. Not one dollar is going to me. It's going to the three of our bravest, most dedicated contributors. Wyatt Reed, right now, our managing editor, he is in the Donbass region, he's in the conflict zone right now, and he's been cut off from Venmo and PayPal for his reporting. He's basically financially sanctioned. It's going to kick Clarenberg, who you've interviewed before, and his bombshell expose on 9-11 it is 9-11 today, on how the CIA actually recruited two of the hijackers, completely factual report based on public court documents, recruited two of the hijackers, and then refused to tell the FBI about their plot as it developed. He was interrogated about that article by British counter-terror police when he arrived to his home country in London. So, I mean, these are the people that deserve to be supported. These are the journalists that deserve to be supported and that's who our fundraiser is for, to provide them with long-term support.
0: Amazing! There's a way to fund real news, real truth. We'll post that link. You guys, there uh, should support that. Thanks once again, Max, for joining us. It's fantastic to see you as always. I'm sure, your donation is not anonymous because we'd love to have it up there. <laughs> I'm all right. No, all right. Let's leave. All right, let's leave a donation under my name. I'm looking around like someone's going to solve that for me, like the dog or Gareth or someone. I will. I'll leave a donation. We'll do it. Someone nodded. Young Putin, of course, of course he would <laughs> nod. Of course he would. He's a sympathizer. Um thanks Max cheers for joining us mate appreciate the support Many switch, in, switch, on, switch off